0: Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, again I appreciate appreciate so many of you praying uh, for my throat, my voice, and uh, my aunt and uncle gave me some home remedy things to try this week, and it has actually helped drastically, and I'm thankful for that, not 100% yet, but getting better, and thank the Lord for that, and um, so sometimes the the simplest ways are the best ways. And uh, I appreciate them calling this week from out of state and expressing their concern. They've been listening to me by the internet, and they were concerned hearing how my voice had been for a couple months now and several months. And uh, so, thank the Lord for that. Ephesians chapter number three. A few weeks ago, a few been about a month and a half or so ago, I had. Completely lost my voice on a Wednesday night, and we asked Brother Eddie Oates to come and preach for us that evening. He brought a message from Ephesians three, this this chapter, this passage, and as as he was preaching uh, a phrase out of his message, and the latter portion of it um, got a hold of my heart. I've 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 been just pondering it for for a couple of months now. I just can't get away from it, and I love the thought and the idea of it. And I want us to begin reading in verse number 14. We'll read the same passage, and then I'll uh, point out the thing that uh, we'll be looking at this morning. Verse number 14, <coughs> Paul is writing to a church and he, in Ephesus, and he's explaining to them what he's going to be praying about, what he does pray about for them. And he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that... He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with with all the fullness of God. Father, I pray that You'd bless the message and speak to our hearts. And Lord, may we leave here rejoicing in having been here. But Father, more importantly, may we leave here having pleased You, and having responded the way You would want us to, to the truth of Your Word. Lord the most important thing here today Is not how I feel about this service But how you feel about it And so help us to glorify you in all that we do Speak to hearts And may your Holy Spirit do a work that I cannot do And may your word go forth And do its productive work Being combined with the faith that we have and That we would be able to be yielded and submitted To the leading of your Holy Spirit To be obedient to it in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As Paul speaks here, and he gives several things, and Brother Oates did such a wonderful job bringing it out a few weeks ago in the message. A list of things that I think as you go through them is really a a, a outline, if you will, of growing in the Christian life. Uh, a process that we should constantly be going through of granting having granted the riches of the glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man is the most important part of our walk with God this is the very first thing he prays for but as we get down to verse number 19 he makes this statement he says and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be and here's the phrase i love that you might be filled with all the fullness of God that struck me because we understand that God is God is an infinite God. He's a, a, a being that is almighty. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is almighty. He's the one who, when Moses asked him, Whom shall I say that sent me? He said, Tell him that I am sent you. God is the God of everything. He's the one who stepped out on nothing and spoke into existence everything that is. And then in six days, having created the world, the Bible says, that on the seventh day he rested, and I want you to understand that the reason he rested was not because he was tired. He had not depleted or exhausted his strength at all because of the infinite might of our God and our the power that he has. And for Paul to pray this, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I began to ponder that, and I thought, Lord, what does that even mean? How in the world can a sinful, frail, finite being be filled with all the fullness of God? Our world is so enamored by things, aren't we? We're living in a day where we are so distracted, if you will, of trying to get things. That next thing that we think will fill the emptiness of our life. And we all do it. Lost people do it, perhaps maybe more so than people that are saved. But the truth is, even saved people, we find ourselves, don't we, trying to fill holes that are lacking in our lives and looking in the wrong places for them. George Foreman, who was a great boxer years ago, great fighter, in 1977 was getting ready for a fight with a man by the name of Jimmy Young in Puerto Rico. And he, in his book, in his biography, he wrote this. He said, on that night, he said, I stood on the hotel balcony and wondered about the meaning of life. He'd come a long way in 28 years from poverty to wealth. He is the heavyweight champion of the world. And yet in spite of his success, he said, I was empty. For 10 years, he had gone through the same routines, getting ready for a fight. And in the end, another win. But for what? He said, my goal for life was another W. He thought, is that all there is to life? Money didn't fill the void. He had more cash in the bank than most could dream of. He had three homes, a dozen cars, and a ranch, and all the stuff that went with it. He said, I was unfulfilled. Would another car make me happy? Would one more house? Some mysterious piece of the puzzle was missing, but I didn't know where to find it. More than once, he said, I toyed with the idea of driving my car over a cliff. People are looking to fill something, and they're not finding it. I remember years ago listening to an interview of a ball, famous baseball player named Daryl Strawberry. At the time, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Daryl Strawberry was the first one to sign a contract that was worth over $1 million. In the interview, he was being asked by this guy what it was like to have that kind of a uh, salary. Daryl Strawberry, in the interview, and I, I can't quote it verbatim, but I'll give you the gist of what he said as he replied. He said, you're looking at one of the most miserable men there is in this world. He had reached the pinnacle of success. He was the highest paid pro athlete in the Major League Baseball at the time. Everybody from the outside looking at Daryl Strawberry's life would have envied his life and said, I wish I could have a life like that, and yet he would say he was the most miserable person in the world. Why? Because he was looking to fill his life with things that weren't filling. the book of Haggai, Haggai the prophet is coming to the nation of Israel. He says in verse number 4, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. He clothe you, but there is none warm, and he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Sounds like a lot of our lives, doesn't it? As brother Oates brought that message the other night and that phrase, and he began to speak a little bit on each of those things, and he got to that one, and I thought, Lord, what does it mean? What does it mean that we are to be filled with all of the fullness of God? I began to ponder those things, and I thought, Lord... What are we filled with? Because the truth of the matter is this. All of us are filled with something. I find in Ephesians chapter number 4, if you'll turn over just to the next chapter, at verse number 22, Paul writes this in chapter 4, verse number 22. And verse, verse number, uh, let's go to verse number 21. If so be that you have learned, heard him and have been taught by him... <coughs> as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Can I tell you this? The first thing I think we're often filled with is the old man. In fact, the truth is, before we get saved, for sure we're filled with the old man. And the sad fact of the matter is that after we get saved, the old man is still there vying for its position. And if we're not careful, we will allow the old man to be that which fills us. In fact, Paul is writing here to Christians in the church in Ephesus, and he's making the important point here that they, Christians, who are already saved, who've already named the name of Christ, that they put off the old, concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the, uh, to, to the seats, the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on a new man, which is after God which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. What is it that we're filled with today? Why is it that when we read Ephesians chapter 3 and Paul is praying, I said, I bow the knee to God for these things for you, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Why would he have to pray such a thing if they were already filled with all the fullness of God? Because he realized and recognized that even among God's people, it is possible for you and I to be filled with the old man still. To be still following after his influence in our life. <coughs> Hold your place here for a moment. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter number 8 <coughs> and verse number 1. Paul, writing to the Christians in Rome, said this. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, <clears throat> who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And he's not saying there's no condemnation because you're saved. He's saying there's no condemnation for them that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the flesh of Christ, in, uh, of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be what? Fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There's a choice to be made. Once we're saved, once we trust Christ as our Savior, there is a choice to be made. I must either walk after the flesh or I must walk after the Spirit, but I cannot do both. For they that are after the flesh, verse number 5, to mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Notice verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God, what are the next three words? Dwell in you. All of us are filled with something. And the question this morning is, what are you filled with? Are we filled with the flesh? We know from Scripture that that's a battle. We know that Paul, at least in two different occasions, has addressed this. And if you'll take time to read many of his other letters, you'll find that in most of the churches that he writes to, he addresses this subject specifically. In 2 Corinthians, we find that he tells them that they should be not filled with worldliness or worldly living. There's a a lot of Christians today, let me say it this way, and I'm embarrassed to say this, and I'm saddened to say this. There are a lot of churches today that are filling themselves with worldliness and the things of the world. They're trying to bring the world into the church house. In fact, let's just take a look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at it real quick. 2 Corinthians, just back a few pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 17. He's, he doesn't mince words here. He doesn't beat around the bush. And Paul's pretty direct about this. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them. And be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What was he telling them to come out from among? He was telling them to come out from being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? We preached on this a couple Wednesday nights ago. We're filled oftentimes... With our old nature. We're filled oftentimes with the desire for the things of this world. And we pursue after them. We're, we're oftentimes filled with a heart that is evil and desperately wicked. So what is it that the Bible tells us we should be filled with? If I'm, if I'm to be filled with all the fullness of God, how do I do that? How do I accomplish something of that nature? Well, let's let's start in Ephesians chapter 5, if you will. Ephesians chapter number 5. In Ephesians chapter number 5, the Bible says this, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the what? Be filled with the what? Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, it's important for us to understand and know this. We just read, in fact, in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9, that there are there is the idea that the Holy Spirit can dwell in... In us. Now, how do we get the Holy Spirit? How is it that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us? Paul told the church in Corinth, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own for you're bought with the price. How do I get the Holy Spirit to indwell me? There's only one way that the Bible speaks of, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of a person. And that is the day that that person realizes that they are lost in their sin, and cannot save themselves. That Jesus Christ is the only way that they can be saved by His death, His burial, and His resurrection from the dead, paying that price for them, and that only by putting their faith in what He has done for them on Calvary can they be saved. The moment that day happens, the very moment we put our faith in what Christ has done for us, the Bible says that He quickens us, He makes us alive, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He dwells inside of me. Now, here's a problem. The other day, uh, I was getting ready to mix. Uh, I, I don't like I don't like the flavor of just plain water usually, unless it's like in a bottle because the, the tap water has bad taste. In it. You know what I'm talking about? So I usually get these little flavor packs. You know, the ones that have all the sugar and all the bad stuff in it for you. And you put that in there so it's healthier water. And, and so I put it in there. And I went, to, I went to go put my cup in the other day, and I, I, I put the, the packet in, and I filled the cup up to where I, I, I usually do. And I always put the water in first and mix it, and then I put the ice in. Because if you put the ice in first, it doesn't mix well. And I went over to the, to the, to the, uh, the refrigerator. We got one of those door things. And, and I stuck that thing in there, and I got busy talking to my son. And all of a sudden, the ice cubes start dropping into that cup. And the next thing I know, I look over and half of my cup of water is all over the floor. Now, the problem was I was trying to fill something that was already filled up with something else. And can I tell you this? That when the Bible speaks here in Ephesians chapter number 5 of being filled with the Spirit, it's not speaking here of the fact that the Holy Spirit is withholding Himself from you. It's the fact that we have so much other things in our lives that are filling us that He cannot have all of us. In order for us to be filled with all of the fullness of God, there has to be an emptying of that which is not God. There has to be an emptying of that which is not the Holy Spirit. And it's going to take some, it's going to take some work and it's going to take some, it's going to take some pain to be honest with you. And in some cases, it's going to take some sacrifice. But you know something I have found? The closer that I desire to be with the Lord and the closer I try to follow His Word, I do get more of a sense like Paul had sometimes when he talked about things that he had lost. And he said, But I count them but dung that I may gain Christ. They really were valueless. They were worthless. And I don't know why I held on to them so long. But when I hang on to these things of the world and I hold on to the old nature and the old man and I begin to hold on to the worldliness and the worldly living and that's the thing I embrace and that's the thing I long for, the Holy Spirit longing to fill me can only fill me as much as there's room in there. There's got to be an emptying of self. There's got to be a time where we come as an empty vessel and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm Yours. I love what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter number 6. He said, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. He said, how, how do I get the Holy Spirit to live in me? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to be saved. You must be born again. If you don't know what those words mean this morning, it must be that you've gotten to the point where you've understood you're a sinner and that there is no way you can save yourself from that sin. There's nothing you can do. Your righteousness is not good enough. The best you have to offer is not good enough. There is only one way that you will go to heaven. Only one. It's not by ignoring the gospel message. It's not by saying, well, I'll take care of that when I get older or when I get later on in life. It is only one way, and that is by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting Him in what He did on Calvary. Putting absolute dependence on going to heaven, on what He's done for you, not on what you have done. Having now the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it now becomes the battle of how do I allow him to fill me? Look with me in Ephesians 5. Let's look at this verse a little closer together for a moment in verse number 18. In verse number 18, the Bible says, and be not, what's the next word here? Drunk with wine. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and expound the theological issues of Uh, strong drink and wine in the Bible. I just want to ask you a simple question. Have you known anybody to drink a sip of wine and still not be drunk with it? Well, certainly. What does it mean then when it says to be drunk with wine? To have so much of that wine in them that it is controlling their actions. Let me rephrase the question. Have you ever met a Christian who had some of the Holy Spirit, but were not controlled by Him? Then what does it mean here to be filled with the Spirit? To have so much of the Holy Spirit in us that He is controlling what I say, what I do. He's controlling my heart, my thought, my mind. He's controlling the inner man. And this produces things in our life called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that we attempt to do outwardly. It's something that as He has more and more of us, as we empty ourselves of that which is not valuable and fill ourselves with that which is essential, we begin to bear fruit in our life. Fruit such as love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Begins to just be a part of us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is gaining more and more of me. We would say it this way. I am being filled with the Holy Spirit. What else should we be filled with? Look with me in Second Corinthians chapter number 7. Paul writes this, he says, Great is my boldness of speech to you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. Can I tell you this, that when the Holy Spirit fills us the way that God longs for Him to fill us, when we empty ourselves of that which is not of any value, that which is vanity, and we allow the Holy Spirit to have more and more influencing Work in our hearts. He brings greater comfort. Have you noticed that? You know when I am most anxious? When I know that I am living outside of the will of God? You know when I have more concern and worry and trouble in my life? When I know that I am not in adherence to the Word of God and in obedience to the Holy Spirit? There's no comfort there. If I'm going to be filled with all of the fullness of God, there's got to be an emptying of self. And then there's got to be a pouring in of, of the things of the Lord. I've got to hunger and thirst for them. I've got to <coughs> pray and seek for God to give me understanding and wisdom. To seek for His presence in my life. In Proverbs chapter number 3 in verse number 5, he says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. And this is the mindset we need to get to, where we get to the place where God is in full control. He is every part of us. And it will help us to be filled with the Spirit. It will help us to be filled with the comfort that is spoken of here. Notice in Philippians chapter number 1, and we'll be done here in just a moment. In fact, it'll probably be a pretty short message this morning. But hopefully, a very important one. Philippians chapter number one, if you will. Philippians chapter number one, verse number nine, verse number eight. For God is my record. By the way, the church at Philippi, I love the church at Philippi. Out of all of the churches that Paul wrote to, the church of Philippi is the only one that Paul did not have to bring any major corrective action to. He, he, he exhorts them. He tells them some things they need to work, be working towards. But he has nothing negative to save the church of Philippi. They were a church that loved the Lord. They were doing right. And he says, For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may be, uh, that ye may approve things "...that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ." Boy, wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony of every Christian? If somebody could look at my life or your life and say that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. What a a level of Christianity to aspire to. Notice what he says here in verse number 11. "...being filled with the fruits..." of righteousness, which are by Christ, uh, Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Can I tell you this? That the fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. He indwells me, yes, but does He fill me? He lives here, but have I pushed Him aside for my will? What am I filled with? We pursue an awful lot of things in this world, don't we? I often wonder, do we pursue the things of God as much as we pursue other things in our life? In verse number 11 here, he says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. It's the only way we get them. And I'm fearful in the day that we live that there are Christians and there are churches that pride themselves on what they are outwardly Notice that the fruit is only because of what Christ did in their life. (coughs) And it is to be, if you'll look in the latter part of this verse, it is to be for the glory and the praise of how good of a Christian you are. Is that what your Bible says? No. It is to be for what? The glory and praise of God. Why? Because He's the one that did the work. He's the one that is filling me. He's the one that is producing the fruit in me. We're to be filled with the Spirit. It'll bring comfort to us. It'll produce the fruit of righteousness. And then I want you to notice lastly in Colossians chapter number 1, just over a few pages. Colossians chapter number 1. It's amazing how many things Paul prays for for these people. For this cause, verse number nine, Colossians chapter one, verse number nine. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. How am I going to be filled with all the fullness of God? I need to empty myself and ask the Holy Spirit to have full, absolute control of me. I need Him to produce the fruit of righteousness in me. And I need Him to produce the knowledge of His will in me. Things that we are filled with A lady a number of years ago wrote a little poem, and the poem says, One by one he took them from me, all the things I valued most, until I was empty-handed and every glittering thing was lost. And I walked earth's highways, grieving in my rage and poverty, till I heard his voice inviting, lift your empty hands to me. So I held my hands to heaven, and he filled them with a store of his own transcendent riches until they could hold no more. And at last I comprehend, with my stupid mind and dull, that God pours not his riches into hands already full. What are we filled with? What are we filled with? We're living in a world that entices us, that appeals to our flesh to be filled with all kinds of things. A love for the world. A love for the worldliness and the worldly living. They make it sparkle and shine so. They bombard us in the eyes and the ears all the time saying how great the carnal, worldly life is. If we're not careful, we begin to envy it, begin to pursue it, begin to long for it. And yes, even begin to fill our lives up with it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 19. Paul's praying. He says, And I'm praying that you know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The question this morning is what are we filled with? What are we filled with? Let's stand together, shall we? Heads bow, please, and eyes closed. I'm not sure where anyone's heart is at. I can't see your heart, only God knows that.